0: This is Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg.
1: And a good Saturday morning to you and yours. It is Dave Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. It's hockey conversation. And how many times have you talked to your buddies and you've turned in the car and said, you know, we don't get enough here on 98.7 ESPN or in general. That is hockey conversation. That Now changes from this moment forward, crash the net every Saturday morning, seven o'clock right here on 9870 SPM. And we're going to do so many things as far as local hockey is concerned. We'll get deep into the Rangers of what's going on with them. Islanders, clearly the best of the three local teams we have right now. The Devils as well. COVID is an issue. Young players, injuries. We're going to incorporate blasts from the past, kind of a where are they now segment. We'll get that involved. Big weekly guest today, Don Legreca from the Michael K Show. He's known as Donnie Pucks. He's the first guest on Crash the Net. So there's going to be so many different things. David Quinn, who joins DCR, uh, typically every week will repurpose some of that information Interview. We'll hear from your favorite players, we'll hear from the coaches, we'll have giveaways, we'll look at the week that was, we'll look at the week that's coming up ahead. Uh, today we'll hear from Doc Emmerich, we'll hear from Al Michaels. So if you love hockey and you're sick and tired of, oh, there's never hockey discussion on the radio. Well, that changes, and that changes this morning, starting right here on 98.7 ESPN. So it is Crash the Net. Welcome to the inaugural show. I am, if you don't know the voice yet, Dave Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's start with the New York Rangers. And the Rangers this week, well, there's ups and downs when it comes to the New York Rangers. Rangers this week, I think you'd have to say, had a good week. They won both of their games so far. They're in action again, a little bit later on today against the Devils, but there is some bad news to report as well. But let's go back to Tuesday night. Rangers-Madison Square Garden, they beat the Buffalo Sabres by the final score of 3-2. to two. How did it wind up like that? Bushnevich scored his sixth of the year to make it one nothing for the Rangers. And then Lafreniere, who's been playing much better of late, was able to light the lamp for his third of the season, made it two-one. Rangers over Buffalo. Kreider, and we're going to get to a lot of Chris Kreider as the show goes on today. Kreider scoring his tenth of the season uh, was the game winner. Uh, Igor Shosturkin stops nineteen of twenty-one shots. He gets the win, and he sadly enough is going to be a topic of conversation as well during this morning. And the Rangers get out of uh, of the Garden with a three-two win. So Kreider scores. The game winner. It's his 10th on the year. And the Rangers head coach, David Quinn, was asked about the hot streak for Chris Kreider.
2: Well, when you're scoring at the rate he is, he means an awful lot uh, for a team that hasn't struggled to score goals this year. And, you know, one of the things about him is that he's certainly always doing the right thing. He's reiterating all the things we're trying to get our team to do. And, you know, obviously the leadership opportunities this year are greater than they have been in the past. So he's taking advantage of that.
1: And that, of course, is the Rangers head coach, David Quinn, who can you hear uh, weekdays? He's, he's on about once a week, typically on DCR here on 98.7 ESPN between 5 and 8. So Rangers win 3-2 on Tuesday night over Buffalo and then Thursday they traveled to New Jersey and the Rangers, let's be fair, they came out and they looked flat and they were outplayed. Shesterkin was excellent early on but Jack Hughes lit the lamp and made it 1-0 it was his fifth of the year uh, for the Devils and that's when Kreider really for lack of a better term, took over he scored to tie it at 1, he scored to give the Rangers a 2-1 lead and he scored to give the Rangers a 3-1 lead but that wasn't it. He scored his 11th and 12th and 13th of the season but Buchnevich tallied a goal uh, Brandon Smith tallied a goal, Frenier with another goal, and the Rangers um, win this one on Thursday night by the final of 6-1. to one. But there's a couple of nuggets that we have to get into when it comes to the Rangers right now, and that is Zibinejad and what's going on with his I mean, he just has not played well of late, and he was actually benched in this game. We'll get into that in just a moment. And the injury to Shesterkin as well. Well, like I mentioned, David Quinn was on DCR on Friday morning, yesterday morning, and he was asked about uh, Zabinajad and the benching.
2: So Obviously, we've all touched on his struggles, and not only statistically, but just something's missing. And I just felt like he certainly has earned an opportunity to play through some tough stretches. He's uh, been such a great player for us certainly since I've been here. And, you know, those guys build up a bank account and you let them find their way, but the bank account has run dry and just didn't love a lot of what I was seeing early on in the game. And, you know, sometimes taking a break and sitting for a little bit gives you a little jolt. And I did like what I saw once he came back and played. He has done some good things. He's, you know, he's killed penalties well. He's been pretty good defensively, but, you know, just not the level that we need him to be or he wants to be. Believe me, no one is taking it to heart more than he is. But, you know, at a certain point, you, you know, you just got to play the guy guys
1: that are playing and playing better and guys are playing better than them. And I think you have to look at David Quinn and and say that he, this is what he does. I mean, if he looks at one of his best players or worst players, whoever it is, and and deems that he's not playing at the level that, that he expects him to play at, he's not going to play. And that's what you've heard from him. And hopefully Zabinjad can get back into the rotation and, you know, start playing a lot more for the Rangers. But let's be fair. And I know that there are going to be a lot of people that will defend him and say he's doing things that aren't showing up on the stat sheet right now. But the truth of the matter is, that's what they need. The Rangers need him to put the puck in the net. And let's be fair, he has not done that at all. Now, as good as the Rangers were this week, the win against Buffalo, the win against the Devils, late in the game against the Devils, 6-1 win, Rangers playing really well. Uh, Shostakovich, Injured himself. He had stopped 28 of, of 29 shots up to that point. but And you hate to speculate what the injury is and how long he's going to miss. But it certainly, certainly did not look good. So we'll look to the Rangers uh, coming week later on during crash. Jeanette, but that kind of puts the Rangers on the back burner for the moment. The, I mean, you talk about red hot. You couldn't be any more red hot than the New York Islanders are right now. Islanders this week on Tuesday were in New Jersey. Wallstrom scores, only 20 years old. Terrific young player. Scores his fourth on the year. Uh, Anders Lee scores to make it 2 nothing Islanders. That's his 10th of the season. And you have to say he's probably there outside of Barzell. Their best offensive player right now. Uh, Varlamov has a shutout up until 14 seconds left in the game. He loses it there. He had stopped 21 of 22 shots, and that gets away. But the Islanders with a a victory on Tuesday. Then on Thursday, they beat up, and really handily against, I think it's fair to say, the worst team in this division, the Buffalo Sabres, 5-2 is the score of that one. Matt Martin with a couple of goals. I mean, he doubled his his output on the season. He had two goals coming into the game. He now has four. Uh, Eberly with a goal. Uh, Bavillier with the goal as well. And Dobson scores for the Islanders in addition. Sorokin gets the win. How about the amount of shots he had to face in this one, huh? Only 16 shots thrown his way, and uh, he gets the victory for the Islanders. So you got to feel good if you're an Islanders fan. Listen to this number. Without even home crowds, Going on right now, or, or, or a 10th, really, right? That's where we are. About 10% of people go into the games now. The Islanders are 8-0-2 on the season at home. Just a remarkable, remarkable record. So Barry when we mentioned Sorokin, and he says, you know what? The head coach of the Islanders, our young goalie, is kind of starting to earn his playing time right now.
3: I think Elia has earned the trust of his teammates and, and everybody and the schedule will dictate that. Yeah, I looked at this month and I you know I have a number in my head but and we do have a little bit of a plan. It's probably a sort of a two-week plan of what we think we might do and then we sort of reassess it. But everything can change in an instant. So we want it in place and then we react off it. But that was a little bit of a tough game because Elia didn't have a lot of work but the shots were deceiving. When I looked at, it, looked at the chances after the first period, I thought they had some really good Good look. They don't show up as maybe chances in some of the analytics sites because the puck delivered wide or it's not a shot on net. But the quality of look was really good. So it's, a, to me, a failed chance. And I thought they had as many as we did, but they, they failed on them and and we were able to capitalize on ours.
1: And the Islanders just continue to play excellent, excellent hockey. And we'll look at it later during the course of um, of the show this morning, Crash the Net here on 9870 ESPN. The upcoming schedule for the Islanders is anything but don't think. And then you turn to the Devils and you could really look if you look around the NHL and you say, what's what's a team that has had bad luck as far as COVID is concerned? I think you look no further than the New Jersey Devils. They got out to a really good start this season and they were playing excellent hockey. They got shut down and it is now really, uh, for lack of a better word, been a struggle for the Devils of late, so what did their week look like? Tuesday, uh, as we mentioned, they lose to they lost to the Locals is really what happened to them. Two uh, one to the Islanders. They didn't score for fifty nine plus minutes in this one. Miles Wood finally lights the lamp with about fourteen seconds left to avoid the shutout, but it's a two one loss uh, at the hands of the Islanders. And then on Thursday, uh, they took on the Rangers, like we mentioned, and and the Rangers, you know, fell behind one nothing. Uh, On the goal from Jack Hughes and the Rangers rattled off six consecutive goals. So uh, Devils clearly not playing very good hockey. And here's something you want to keep a very close eye on if you're watching the Devils. How about this? What do you think a bad penalty kill percentage is, right? Just just off the top of your head, throw out a number. Whatever you're going to say is bad, the Devils, and we are not at the infancy stages of this season, the Devils is considerably, considerably worse, I guarantee you, than whatever you threw out. They are killing off. 63% of their shorthanded situations. That, for lack of a better word, it's horrendous, guys. And it's a reason they haven't been playing very good hockey of late. And head coach Lindy Ruff was asked, are you worried that this bad streak could kind of spiral out of control right now?
4: No, I, you know what we've talked about from day one, uh, the foundation being the way we play away from the puck. There's an accountability to, to how you need to play away from the puck, and we're not going to sway off that. I think when you get down by a couple or three, we put a little bit more risk in our game to try to get back in it. But we know that you know, until we start scoring, that the, the foundation is going to have to be how well we play five on five.
1: Well, well, the Devils will get another chance to, to get back into the win column, because later today, 12.30, in fact, right here on 98.70 ESPN, they take on the Rangers in a rematch of what we saw the other night in New Jersey. So, a lot going on for us here on Crash the Net. Don LaGreca going to join us later. We'll hear from Al Michaels about his most memorable call ever, and I'll give you one guess to imagine what, in fact, that is Doc Emmerich on some of his great calls that we've seen from the absolutely sensational broadcaster. We'll hear from David Quinn. We'll look Look forward to what the Islanders, Rangers, and Devils have coming up this week as well. So strap in a wonderful Saturday morning. It's Crash the Net. Rothenberg and you right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Crash the Net podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN.
1: See, my reputation precedes me. Everyone knows at the station, if they're working uh, on any show I'm on, Van Halen is the way to go. And Anthony Pusick is doing yeoman's work uh, with some Van Halen. Uh, on a Saturday morning. All right. So uh, as I said, we started the show. We got into the locals. Donald Grecox going to join us in just a couple of moments here on 98.7 uh, ESPN on Crash the Net as we really dissect the world of local hockey. And we're going to, you know, look into guys that have had success in the past and youth hockey and all sorts of good stuff uh, over this 10 week run that we're going to go on. But I thought we would take kind of a trip back into the world of, of older hockey and old-time hockey and where were you and do you remember these moments so um greenie mike greenberg who's on 10 to noon monday through friday here on 98.7 espn had two of i think it's fair to say two of the great broadcasters in the history of sport period uh this past week on his show that is al michaels and doc emmerich and there is at least in my mind zero doubt that al michaels most famous call and al michaels has a i mean a storied career i mean the voice of of Monday Night Football, the voice of Sunday Night Football, the voice of the Cincinnati Reds, the voice of national baseball. But when you think Al Michaels, you think of one moment and one moment only. At least I do, and I think most of you do as well, and that is the miracle on ice. Well, here is Al Michaels, who's a young man at this point, 1980, Lake Placid on the miracle on ice with Greenie.
3: Nobody could get a loan. There were gas lines. Our hostages had been taken in Iran. We couldn't get them out. The Soviets had threatened to invade Afghanistan, and then we threatened to not go to their Olympics, which we followed through on. They paid us back in 1984 in Los Angeles. It just was a bad time, a really bad time. And I think of, you know, you have a whole bunch of college kids who somehow are able to manifest six months of training under the great Herb Brooks and pull off an incredible upset, a stunning upset, and it's four cents. And my words, Do You Believe in Miracles, came mainly from the game itself. And I understood the outside forces that surrounded this, Mike. But when you look at that game, the U.S. was outshot 39-16. to 16. The U.S. trailed one nothing, 2-1, and 3-2. How many times in the history of hockey, on any level, has a team overcome three deficits, been outshot 2.5-1, to one, and won the game? And do it in the Olympics in your home country. And then to go two days later and be trailing 2-1 to one at the end of the session period and winding up winning the game there are so many things to think about in regard to that game and i don't want to name drop but i'm out here we have a house in palm desert and so does kurt russell we had dinner with him last night we spent 15 20 minutes last night talking about the movie miracle and he played herb brooks and he did such a fantastic job but just i mean the excitement that you feel just in talking about it this is 41 years later and people say to me you know what's number one in your career and i go are you kidding what's number one this is one through ten.
1: It's not even close. I mean, that, that it clearly was such a—it's it's an iconic call. I mean, it's one of the most iconic calls in the history of sports, period. And, you know, there's a, a really famous story that he talked about the, uh, the Iran hostages. When they got out, they made a, a video for those guys because they were away, at, I, I, you know, prison for a long time. And they wanted to show them what, in fact, they had missed over the time that they had been hostages. And in the video, I mean, this is they could have put anything they wanted. They put the U.S. beating Russia in that video to show them what, in fact, they had missed as time as hostages. All right. More from Al Michaels. And he says, miracle on ice, clearly, unequivocally his most memorable call.
3: What else lives all of these years? As I say, you know, my favorite football game was Arizona against Pittsburgh after the 08 season. But almost nobody brings that up. A couple of people from time to time will talk about that game. But that's not out there like on an everyday basis. But the hockey thing is, there's no question. And even if look, a ton of people, most of the people in this country weren't even born at that time. But I get such a kick out of like a father or a grandfather and a son or a grandson, they come up, they start to talk about the game and you can tell that the kid has been told the story. He understands. And the movie the movie was really important. Even though obviously it takes some literary license, but I think people understood the essence of what took place because of the movie Miracle, which came out in two thousand four. So you saw what it was, you you had a pretty understanding of what this meant and what other event could you possibly do and i remember mike one of the great lines ever was ed swift the writer uh, from sports illustrated wrote the end of the year piece and and that team of course they were the sportsman of the year for sports illustrated in 1980 and he said it made you want to hug your television set and you just wanted to wrap your arms around those guys after what they had done
1: it was a miraculous, unbelievable run as they won the gold medal. And, and you could say you'll never see anything like that again. Now, you love Stump Rothenberg. It's coming up later this morning when we launch uh, the Dave Rothenberg show, 9 to noon here on 98.7 ESPN. How about this for a piece of trivia? Miracle was the movie, of course, that we all remember. There was a movie they made years earlier called Miracle on Ice, where Steve Guttenberg played Jim Craig And who played Herb Brooks? Carl Malden was Herb Brooks. All right, little piece of trivia for you there. Now, Doc Emmerich was also on with Greenie this past week, and he was asked the question, what is the favorite moment that you have ever called?
4: Well, I'm a hockey guy, and probably the proudest I was ever to be around the sport was on the day of the gold medal game in 2010, when the two powers of North America, Canada, and the United States met in Vancouver. And so you had these best professionals from Canada and the best professionals from the United States, and the greatest elements of hockey in that it was the last minute of the game. It was a one-goal game, and Canada was ahead. The goalie was pulled, and out of a net mouth scramble, Zach, Parisi scored for the United States to force overtime. Now there's an intermission and the Zamboni's going back and forth. And anyone that hasn't been watching is probably being texted by somebody else saying, have you seen this game? I mean, it's <laughs> going to overtime for the gold medal. And it goes into a few minutes of overtime. Sidney Crosby scores. Canada wins. And there's a time factor before the medals are handed out. And Pierre Maguire, who was working for the Canadian Network that day, but it worked for us during the whole time, did some interviews and we carried a couple of those, and one of them was with Crosby, and one of them was with Brian Miller, the U.S. goalie who was brilliant through the whole tournament, and they just spoke so wonderfully about the sport, about the competition in the Olympics, and about the game and everything else, and I thought to myself, for someone who has not followed the sport that much, they get a chance to see the best parts of a game of hockey, the uncertainty of it all, and the fact that these guys are playing for the gold medal, and they get two of the best statesmen that we could have for the sport speaking about it after. After the game is over,
1: he is such a fantastic voice and ambassador for the game of hockey. He, he really really is that. Of course, is Doc Emrick. Now, more from Doc, who really, when you think of the great voices in the history of hockey, he he's got to go down as as one of the best. And I don't know if you remember, it was uh, Olympics and T.J. Oshi, and it was a shootout, and he kept shooting over and over and over against Ross. And if memory serves correctly, I think I'm right about this. It might have been a Saturday morning. Well, Doc was asked what he most remembers about that Olympic game.
4: T.J. was rushed from the celebration after onto numerous interview shows that were taking place over in Sochi, and the time difference was nine hours. So time passes, and he kept saying, you guys are making too much of this. Well... He was told, had this been a game in outside the preliminary round, you would probably be as big as Mike Ruzioni was in 1980 in Lake Placid. But anyway, time passes, and we all come back to the States, and TJ is with the Blues in Chicago. So uh, we're doing that game on NBC, and at the morning practice, I got him aside, and I said, so I noticed before one of the shots that you were taking of the six that you took in the shootout, that you had a big smile on your face and he said well it was getting kind of funny wasn't it and I thought no it wouldn't seem like it was getting funny to me it was a lot of pressure but he thought it was funny and I said was this the best thing that ever happened to you in your life and he said shortly after I returned I saw the birth of my first child that was the biggest thing that was awesome and I thought it was nothing like putting everything in perspective is there
1: and, and there you have it. Doc Emmerich discussing the, the wild run for T.J. Oshie in the Olympics a couple of years back. Now, more from Doc. And, you know, not only was he the voice of Olympic hockey, he was also the voice of the Stanley Cup finals. And what, in fact, from Greeny uh, this past week was his favorite Stanley Cup story?
4: The Devils were the first ones to make sure that every player and every staff member got their day with the cup, and that was in 1995. One of my favorite stories is before that time, when some of the players got the cup and some didn't, but in 1991, Paul Martha, who was a longtime Pittsburgh Steeler, but was also in the hierarchy of the Pittsburgh Penguins, was not going to get the cup, he he had some reason that he couldn't take it for a couple of days, and so Phil Bork, who was a player for the pittsburgh penguins had it for an extra day uh, phil had a garage <laughs> he also had tools in his garage <laughs> and he got curious and so he uh turned the cup upside down and he realized that there were screws underneath there that matched some of the tools that he had and so he uh he took the cup apart from the underside. And he learned a lot about the history of the people who had actually worked on the cup before because they had engraved their names on the underside of the bowl. And since he had joined them in 1991, he added his name to the underside and then put the cup back together and all was well. He still does not know to this day whether anyone has discovered the fact that his name is on the underside of the cup as well as etched conventionally on the outside, but that's one of my favorite stories, and that occurred before everybody got their day with it.
1: Can you imagine that? He turns into Bob Villa or v- Villa, 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 whatever. How you say that name? He turns into that guy who's like the handyman and starts undoing the Stanley Cup in his home. Could you imagine? Because isn't there a guy that his full-time job is just to travel with the cup? Could you imagine if that guy shows up and, and, and Phil Bork gives him the cup in like six pieces? Okay, here you go. I'm, I'm done with this thing now. But big thanks to Greeny and Al Michaels and Dominic Emmerich and some really wonderful, wonderful stories. Um... All right. Don LeGrec is going to join us in a moment. We're going to go through the Rangers. We'll go through the Islanders. We'll go through the Devils. We'll get an ice pick from him. And then we'll hear from David Quinn after that and uh, get you ready for this week in New York hockey. It is Crash the Net bright and early Saturday morning. Dave Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Crash the Net podcast.
0: Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN.
1: And Saturday morning, it is Crash the Net. I am Dave Rothenberg. And, you know, we we thought long and hard. And we went through our hockey Rolodex. And we had thoughts of, do we want to go Gretzky? Do we want to go Messier? Do we want to go Nystrom or or Gillies or, or one of the, all like, just, you know, someone that moves the needle tremendously. And we thought, you know what? No one moves the needle more than the great Don LaGreca. He is Donnie Parks from the Michael K. Show. Good morning, Don. How are you? Ah, good morning. How are you? I love this. I, I Early really... on a Saturday. Spring is in the air, kind of. I, I figured that that I, I couldn't look further than you to be the first official guest on Crash the Net here on 98.7. Well, I'm
5: so happy that you thought of me. Thank you so much, sir.
1: And and I do all the time. All right, so we have a lot to get into. Uh, let's start with the Rangers. couple things on the Rangers. Firstly... And this is really, really an interesting situation because Zabinijad was, I mean, Don, MVP caliber last season, and he's gone from MVP caliber to really, for lack of a better term from the other night, unplayable where we are right now. If you're David Quinn, what's the right thing to do, and and how do you get him out of this really horrendous rut that he's in? Well,
5: the right thing to do is what's best for the team. And, And... and even though I don't think they're a playoff team right now, it's still early enough in the season that you want to accumulate points and you don't want to give up. And right now, having him on the ice has been more of a liability than anything else because everything's connected, right? So if he, he's your center. So no matter what line you put him on, if he is not going to produce, then that means the players that he's playing with are not going to produce. You can't roll four lines, and it's just killer. So they get the lead. They finally put him on the ice with what – I don't know, eight minutes, nine minutes left in the second period because he didn't play the, the first half after only playing four, months in the, uh, four minutes in the um, first period on Thursday. And, you know, it sparked the team. He seemed to play a little bit better. But you've got to put your best players on the ice. And right now, Mika Zibanejad is not that player. So you want to try to fix him? But at the same time, you don't want it to come at the expense of, of, of earning points and, yeah, no, and getting and I, wins.
1: I agree one hundred percent. But here's here's what worries me: Can the Rangers? Because listen, they still have do do have a semblance of a chance to get into the postseason this year, as as daunting as that challenge might be. Realistically, Donnie, is there any chance that they can get to a postseason berth without a a, a, a at least average, if not better, Zabinejad?
5: Well, think about this. All right, last year he had a career year. Panarin was unbelievable and if they had played an 82 game season with no qualifying round they would have missed the playoffs so how are you supposed to make the playoffs now with Panera in leave of absence not getting anything from Sabanjad i mean i i don't i don't know how you do it
1: yeah, you know who are you relying
5: upon kako he's been out uh, uh, LaFoyre, well, you know the kid's 19 years old and clearly isn't ready, you know, to carry a team. I love Chris Kreider, he's playing amazing hockey right now, two hat tricks in his last 5 games, but let's let's face it, uh, he might not score another goal for the next 6. It's just where his career has been, there's been a level of inconsistency there. Um Bushnevich is having a great year, but I'm not asking him to carry this team offensively, so Zibanejad is supposed to be the back of his hockey card, and he hasn't even come close. Dave, he hasn't beaten a goaltender since the second game of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're 21 games in here. No, it's 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 amazing. I mean, uh, Yadon, I talked about it in, in the opening of the show. Matt Martin has four goals on the season. I mean, guys that don't score goals have outscored Zibanejad so far this year. Yeah, and
5: so your best players have to be your best players. That's an old Dave Maloney line, but it's true. And, and so... Uh, You don't know whether it's the COVID because he did have COVID. It was a while ago, but we do see a a very small percentage of players that don't necessarily bounce back. He has sworn up and down that this is not an issue, that it has nothing to do with COVID. But I I don't know how you you don't rule that out. Now, last year was a special type of year for him, but right now he's playing like a fourth-line center. And sometimes the energy doesn't seem to be there. The consistency doesn't seem to be there. Yeah, he's a little snake bit. You know, there's been times where I think he's played well and just hasn't been able to to beat the goaltender, but those have been few and far between here, and it's frustrating. And I'm glad, you know, Quinn did what he did on Thursday. You've got to put the team first, and and we'll see if this kind of spurs them on. You got a game today that is extremely winnable, but then guess what? You know, back-to-back games against Pittsburgh, back-to-back games against Boston. This schedule, outside of your games against Buffalo and New Jersey, are very, very difficult.
1: Yeah, it's really, really daunting. He is Don LaGreca. I am Dave Rothenberg. This is Crash the Net here on 98.7 ESPN. Um, Alright, let's turn our attention to the goaltending situation. And, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't look good for Shostakovich, and, and the, the first thought is that he's going to probably miss a, a considerable amount of time. How ha- how do the Rangers move forward with uh, Georgiev and and Kincaid as their two goalies moving forward? Well,
5: I guess the good news is is Georgiev has not played a lot of games over the last couple of years, splitting time with Shosturkin. He was the third goaltender uh, at times last year Was when he was a healthy scratch when Hank was here. So uh, he's still young, so I could see him playing. It's going to be tough because you play today and then you play tomorrow and then you're playing every other day pretty much for the rest of the month. So Kincaid, I'm sure, is going to get a look here or there. But I like Alexander Georgiev. I think he's a really good goaltender. As much as I loved Lundqvist and could have seen him maybe stay another year here, um, I wanted Georgiev to stay. I didn't want them to trade him because I think he can be a really good goaltender. And, and this is his opportunity to shine. So if he plays the way I think he's capable of playing, I think they could be fine. But it's a, it's a lot to ask him to possibly play for the rest of the year. I, I don't know what the Shostorkin situation is going to be. It looked really ugly on Thursday. He could put no weight on his right leg. He had to literally be carried off the ice and into the dressing room. So... I would guess this is at least, you know, going to be a four to six, if not a six to eight week injury. So Alexander Georgiev becomes your number one with Kincaid sprinkled in. But I
1: I do I do look forward to seeing him
5: every day. I think he can handle it.
1: He is a a very capable goalie, uh, I think you'd have to say. All right, let's turn our attention to the Islanders. And here's a question I want to ask you. Is there is there a team that gets more out of what they have in all of hockey than the Islanders?
5: No, no. Because listen, they are they're a talented team. I mean, Barzell, I think, can be a star in this league. Lee is a very good player. Eberly is a very good player. You know, their blue line with Letty and their goaltending is exceptional, but. You know, this kind of reminds me a lot of what uh, Thibodeau's doing with the Knicks. Is that coaching matters? It just matters. Barry Trotz has been good. He was good in Nashville. Won a cup in Washington. He gets the most out of his players. You know, Lou Lamorello can put in a system there where they know they're not going to give up a bunch of goals. So you don't feel like you got to go out there and score five, six goals to win a game. You know, they're capable of of scoring, but it's not necessary. Like you brought up, you know, you know, Matt Martin can have four goals. That gives them that four lines that they can roll. uh, they're an outstanding team. The problem is they kind of remind me of those Devils teams from like twenty years ago, where in the regular season it can be a little bit dicey on you know where they're going to finish, but they're so built for the playoffs. They own Boston, right? I mean, that's 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 probably the class of their division. So I, I feel really good about them being able to to uh, to make the playoffs and then being in the conference final again. I, I really do. I think this is a complete team, a defensive team in a league that's becoming more and more offensive. And it's all about Barry Trotz. He is just a tremendous. He coach.
1: really is. He he is sensational. So uh, we heard from Trotz earlier in the show about the netminder situation. You think Varlamov is the goalie for the you know the, the bulk of the remainder of the season, right? And Sorokin yeah. will be sprinkled in.
5: Yeah, I, I think so. Let the kid kind of get a, you know feel his way here. There's been a little bit of ups and downs, but Varlamov has been there before. So uh, I I really think I know that they've had in in the history with Barry being there of kind of going back and forth. With their goaltending situation, but I don't think it's necessary anymore. I think Vorlamov has been there, has done that, he's had postseason experience, but Sorokin is certainly their future. Um, and, I, and I think he could handle getting thrown a few games here in there. And if anything were to happen, that he could probably play. But, you know, we saw what Shestorkin last year with the Rangers, right? Off to this amazing start. Now you've seen it kind of settle in this year. So learn from that and let him kind of piecemeal his way to where he eventually will become, you know, the full-time goaltender within the next year or so. But right now, Rye the veteran, because these games
1: are going to be very, very important. And we we talk about home ice, and there really is no home ice, which makes it even more impressive what the Islanders have done. Uh, Donnie, they're, they're 8-0-2 at home right now this year.
5: Yeah, and I, I don't know what that means. I, I talked about it with Dave in relation to the Rangers because there's not a lot of travel, especially in this division, and you're not having to face any hostile crowds, at least not yet. So maybe it doesn't make much of a difference, but when you play their type of style, you can play it anywhere, right? And And, and that's that's what got to make makes you feel good about this team. You can pr- pretty much put them against anyone, anywhere, anytime, and it's they're not going to stray from what they do. And I think that's that bodes well to make the playoffs, but it bodes even better, I think, once you get into the playoffs because that's exactly how you want to play.
1: Yep, they are built for the postseason. And then, I mean, you have to turn your attention to the Devils, and it, it's been a rough week. And ever since they came back from their, I don't know what you call it, the COVID hiatus or COVID shutdown, they they have not been a very good team. No, and and that
5: penalty kill has just been brutal. And it's not just circumstances. Guys are wide open in front of the net. And I, I know Lindy Ruff is saying that they're pinching, they're trying to go offensive. But I watch a lot of their games. It's just a bad penalty kill. I mean, you can't be clicking less than 63%, Dave. I gave the stat on Thursday during the game. I looked it up the last time, and they've only played 19 games, so it's still early. But still, it's when you play that many games, it's really hard to change the percentages between now and the end of the season. The last time an NHL team finished with an under 70% penalty kill. You got to go back to the 82-83 Kings wow. who killed a little over 68%. I mean, right now Detroit who is in a full-blown rebuild, all right? Arguably one of the worst teams of the NHL, have like a have 5% better on their penalty kill than uh, the New Jersey Devils. And and the Red Wings are playing a bunch of kids. You know, and the Devils—they thought they were going to take a step. They looked good going into uh, the pandemic. They came out of the pandemic and had the big win against the Rangers, big win against the Boston Bruins. But like since then, they have just been nowhere. They can't beat the Sabers. The goaltending has been very good, but they're just facing way too many shots. Um, I I like where Jack Hughes is right now. I like Palmieri, but. They they just leave a, a lot to be desired right now. There's a lot of work that still has to be done. Now Hsieh has been hurt, mm-hmm. so you want to try to get him back. Brat's been out of the lo- in and out of the lineup. They've got a lot of young players that are, that, that I think can mature into stars in this league. Quochenin has been good for them. Uh, Sharon Govich has been good for them. So they're young. I think they've got a bright future, but uh, it's certainly not going to be any time uh, soon. They're 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 destined to miss the playoffs again. And have a very high draft pick again, and you hope that the powers that be there can finally make it work uh, sooner than later.
1: The the thing that's so daunting, like if you are the Devils or you are the Sabres in this division, and Rangers to a much lesser degree, I think, but if you're one of those two teams, Don, I mean, you, you never get an off night. Right. I mean, if you're the Devils outside of Buffalo, who kind of seems to have your number now anyway. I mean, it's 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 a it's a murderer's row. It's Philadelphia. It's I mean, you know, the team, it's Boston, it's Pittsburgh, it's the Rangers. It's it's this there's, there's never a night off. Right. I mean, if if you're the team that can't look and say, oh, that's a game that we should win. I mean, it's, it's a daunting situation for some of these clubs, specifically the is.
5: Devils. But it's crazy, right? Because you say that. But yet, look how they have played against Boston. It's like it's crazy that they can go up against the best team in the league and, and beat them uh and and hang with them uh it's all just about learning and being competitive the one thing i will say about new jersey they are competitive even obviously uh, Thursday, notwithstanding, but they've been competitive. They try to stay in the games, and it's all just about learning. But you're right, it, it, you you would have that. You might be able to rattle off a few wins in a row, and you're you know you, you go out to Western Canada. Maybe you could take advantage of Calgary's situation. They've really been struggling, and Vancouver's been struggling. You get points, but when it's Washington and Boston, and, it's and amazing having the rivalry with the Rangers and the Islanders, and the Islanders a team that's always given them trouble, even when the Devils were very very good. Uh, yeah, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, how do you get up from that? This is, I, I think it's the best division of the four in this league. And, 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 yeah, for not having to travel is really the only benefit. But other than that, like every night you're going up against just one of the elite
1: teams in the league. It's every single night. All right, so people that listen to the K-Show, and that's pretty much everyone that, that walks the face of the planet at this point, um, you do a little segment called Ice Picks. Well, we'd like to bring this to Crash the Net as well. You're on 98.7. So you have all Saturday and all Sunday – Any game you'd like, do you have an ice pick for us this weekend? I'm eyeballing the
5: game a little bit later on today. It's a 2 o'clock start. Panthers at the Predators. Dave, I don't know how much you've seen of the Panthers, but this is a really, really good hockey team, and I think that they could be very, very dangerous, and you certainly know who their coach is, Joel Quinville. He's won cups, and I'm not saying they're cup-worthy, and they're going to have a tough time getting past Tampa Bay in the playoffs, but this is a really good team. They're in Nashville. Nashville's completely falling apart here. You get some really juicy odds on the Panthers covering the goal and a half. So I like that because that's a really good number. I've liked the Panthers covering the goal and a half in Nashville against the Predators later today.
1: All right, so let's recap what we 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 get analysis about the Rangers. We get analysis about the Islanders, the Devils, a a, a wagering selection. I mean, Don, is there anything that you do not bring to the table here? Well, when it comes to hockey, I
5: I, I can keep going if you want because I'm you know certainly not, not getting this kind of freedom on the K show. So listen, I appreciate you. I love the fact that we get a chance to work together here, and I appreciate your compliment.
1: Well, let's, let's do it again. I mean, maybe <laughs> we'll have you on as a weekly here on, on Crash the Night. Good stuff. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. You too, buddy. So that is, of course, the great Don lagreca Now, quick break. Coming up in just a moment, David Quinn joined my show, DCR, yesterday morning. What did he have to say about zabinajad the goaltending situation, Crider's hot streak, the Rangers' upcoming games, all of it? We'll take a listen to a little bit of that interview and look ahead for the three locals as well coming up this week. It's Crash the Net, Saturday morning, Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Crash the Net podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN.
1: A big thanks to the great Donald Lagreca for waking up early with us here on a Saturday morning. It is Crash the Net. I'm Dave Rothenberg with you here on 98.7 ESPN. So, I mean, lock it in, people. This is your start of your Saturday morning as far as the NHL is concerned. And then Joe Wiz is going to come your way at 8 o'clock in just a couple of moments. And then I'll be back on at 9 o'clock taking you up. Uh, until noon, and then we're gonna have some hockey this afternoon on ninety eight seven. But this is the launch of a, a new show. So if you're just getting into your car, going to get your bagels or your coffee, you're taking your kids to practice, or whatever the case may be, you have actual real hockey conversation on Saturday mornings. It is Crash the Net here on ninety eight seven ESPN. So typically weekly, and the the shows from five to eight Monday through Friday here on ninety eight seven ESPN. That is DCR. It, it's me. is it, it's Canty, it's Rick Pietro, and we have a lot of fun, a lot of hijinks, a lot of banter, a lot of great sports analysis, and typically about once a week or thereabouts, the head coach of the New York Rangers will join the show. Well, on Friday morning, uh, yesterday morning, as a matter of fact, he he joined the show, and we got into a lot of interesting topics, and the first thing I asked the coach uh, about the Rangers is, is kind of give us the breakdown of the game against the Devils from Thursday night.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was glad with the way we responded after a sluggish first period. Uh, you know, I thought uh, New Jersey came Came out a little bit quicker, a little bit more physical, uh, a little hungrier. And, you know, obviously our goalie gave us a great chance to kind of get out of that period, one nothing. And then I thought we did a good job kind of recollecting ourselves and getting back to doing the things we were going to have to do. And uh, sometimes that's hard to do within a game, but it was certainly a good sign last night. And we certainly were opportunistic.
4: Coach, how
1: good? I mean, it, it goes without stay, saying, but I mean, just to uh, in your eyes, I mean, the goals, the points, everything else. But how good has Kreider been recently?
2: Yeah, he's been uh, really good, Ricky. I mean, he's, you know, we've seen this before out of him. I mean, once he starts scoring, they come in bunches, it seems like. It happened last year, and it's certainly happening this year. And, I mean, two hat tricks in the last 10 days, that's pretty impressive in any level, let alone the National Hockey League. And,. You know, there's a new opportunity here for him. You know, we signed him to a long-term deal. Um, You know, there's new leadership opportunity here with some of the guys that have left here over the last two years, and he knows he's here for the long haul. And not that he hasn't always been fully invested, but I think there's just a new added responsibility in his mind, and he and he's taking it to the next level, not only on the ice but off the ice. Coach Lafreniere is on a little bit of a hot streak too. Five points in his last four games. Is the light starting to come on for your young guy? Yeah it is and it's just I'm so happy for him cuz he's such a he's such a good kid and he you know he wants to do so well he works hard and you know, he, he was having chances early, just one of those streaks where just things weren't going in for him or guys weren't taking advantage of some of the plays he was making or a goalie was making a great save on him. And it's funny how it happens. It's, you know, once you start scoring, like we just touched on with Kryder, they come in bunches and they're coming in bunches for him right now, too. So, you know, the weight of the world is on his shoulders when you're know, the number one pick in New York and, you know, all all eyes are on you, shifting and shift out. Uh, you know, the pressure can get to you. And, I couldn't believe how well he handled that pressure early on when things weren't happening statistically for him, and he just kept coming here every day, never got down, never let it get in his way of of, uh, his performance, and uh, just really happy for him. Coach, if Shesterkin has to miss extended time, what would be your plan at the goalie position? Yeah, well, you know, obviously we've got a lot of confidence in Georgie and Keith Kincaid, who used to play for the Devils and has played in the league. He's got a track record to be a good goalie. We've, we've liked what we've seen out of him since he's been here. He hasn't played any games here, but played a couple in Hartford and played really well. And he's a guy we have confidence in too. So we'll just see how that plays out. We play a lot of hockey uh, here this month, so you know you'll see both of them. But uh, Georgie certainly will get the first crack at it.
1: Rangers head coach David Quinn with us here, ninety eight seventy SPN. Any, any update on Panarin as of yet?
2: Yeah, still day to day. He has been doing some skating, so you know it's just a situation that uh, he's dealing with some personal stuff, and you know we certainly want to respect that and give him give him his time to to get it all sorted out.
1: Coach, so you know too. I mean, if you're looking for a third goalie, you know, even if it's just practice, you know, <laughs> I, That's what you're looking for, coach.
2: Yeah. yeah. no. Listen, I think I think I was on the ice the last time you stopped the puck with you. So uh, <laughs> I believe I've, I've seen that movie. I've seen that movie before. Okay.
1: I'm sure there's. a am sure there's a, a utility closet in the facility I can get dressed in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was just gonna say that we got some extra a broom closet here I could put you in you can change in, so
1: <laughs> Oh man. All right, coach, last one for me, because every time I watch him play, I'm more and more impressed with how good he is his poise. Um do you think that, that Adam Fox gets enough credit for being as good as he is?
2: No, I don't. I don't. And he's uh you know, he's. <laughs> I have a friend of mine back in Boston who bought the NHL package, and as he says, he's must-watch TV. So he does things a lot of players can't do. Uh, he sometimes you're shocked he does it at this level. Um, you know, he is playing a lot of minutes. It's something that we're keeping an eye on. He's not a big guy, so uh, you know the game ends, and I look at his numbers and I'm, his minutes play, and I'm like. Oof, that's a little too much for him. But <laughs> during the course of the game, you just you just want to put him out there, you know. So um, and I think Lind- Lindgren too. I mean, it's a it's a great duo. They both have played really well, and you know, Lindgren flies under the radar because he doesn't do the flashy stuff that Foxy does. But that's a hell of a pair for us, and you know, Foxy has certainly brought his game to another level this year.
1: Coach, before we let you go, uh, and I know you're a big fan of the show, so I want to bring you in behind the curtain here a little bit. Uh, Chris Canty, our very own, got engaged earlier this week.
2: Ah, Congratulations, Chris. Thanks, Coach. A lucky woman, huh? Absolutely. I feel like I'm the lucky one, man. It's like I hit the lotto. Well, good. Let's get her to a Ranger game someday, right? When we can get fans in there, we'll, you know... Get a, get a chance to turn her into a hockey fan.
1: I'm all about it, coach. I'm all about it. All right, there you have it. That is David Quinn, head coach of the Rangers, and we're all hoping that the uh, the missus turns into a big hockey fan. Chris Canty. Uh, all right, so let's let's do this now. And again, guys, the the show is going to be an ever working progress here. We're going to continue looking at the three locals. We're going to hear from the voices of these teams. We're going to hear from old time players. We're going to hear from doctors about injuries and youth players and concussions and how you have to be careful about that. Uh, There is no right or wrong, but this is going to constantly be hockey conversation. Well, what I thought would be fun uh, today, and this is what we're going to typically do every week, we'll look back at the week that was, and then at the end of the show, look ahead to where we're going. Let's look at the the three teams locally and what they have on tap. Uh, This weekend. So a little bit later today, Rangers, who have won two in a row on 98.7 ESPN, you can catch their game back in New Jersey again. That's a 1230 pregame one o'clock drop of the puck here on 98.7 ESPN. Now, tomorrow night, Rangers also in action, also on the road at Pittsburgh gets rolling at seven o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. Tuesday night, and I can't determine whether I like this or I can't stand it. You get, like, these little bunches of games. Tuesday night, Rangers in Pittsburgh. Again, that's an earlier start. Now, take note, that's a 5.30 start, and that's over on 10.50 a.m. And then Thursday night, and we talk about there's no rest for the weary. I mean, the schedule is so daunting for these teams in this division. Thursday night, the Rangers are up in Boston. So the Rangers are on the road all week long, up in Boston, On Thursday night, 6.30 start, and that is on 10.50 a.m. as well. Let's turn our attention to the Islanders. Islanders in action this afternoon as well against Buffalo. They're home, 1230. You can catch that game on 1050 AM. And the Islanders, and this is the thing, you play the really good teams in bunches and it's daunting. You play the the mediocre, let's be honest, the, the lesser teams multiple games in a row and you can make some real headway. So the Islanders are ready with a win against uh, Buffalo from Thursday night. Well, they get Buffalo again later today and they get them tomorrow Uh, 11.30 in the morning, so a a noon puck drop on 98.7 ESPN against the Sabres. Then Tuesday, Islanders... And the Bruins, that's 6.30 on eight seven. That game is at the Coliseum. And then Thursday, they host the Devils. So the Rangers are on the road all week. The Islanders are at home all week. Thursday, 7 o'clock, the Islanders take on the Devils. As far as the Devils are concerned, Devils, we mentioned it later today, 98.70 ESPN. they take on the Rangers at 12.30. Tomorrow, they go up to Beantown, take on the Bruins, 5 o'clock. Tuesday, they're in Washington at 7 o'clock and Thursday, they're back on the Islanders taking on New York. So that's kind of the the look-see at the Rangers, at the Islanders, at the Devils and what those three teams have coming up This coming week. I hope you've enjoyed it. We're going to have so much going on as far as the world of hockey is concerned. All right. We're going to have giveaways. We're going to be interactive. We're going to have Twitter. We're going to be on Instagram. And we really find here at 98.7 that this is an underserved market that we don't talk enough hockey and we wanted to remedy that. And this is the first steps to get that done. So I want to thank Andy from America as a coordinating producer, Anthony Pusick, Ray Dinahan, John Winthrop, Ryan Hurley. Great stuff all around. Thanks, of course, to Don LaGreca. This has been the first edition of Crash the Net. Joe Wiz next right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: Thanks for listening to the Crash the Net podcast with Dave Rothenberg. Listen live Saturdays at 7 a.m. on 98.7 ESPN.